Hallo. Welcome to the OMR Podcast, the English version. Um, this edition is um, with Tim Urban. Tim Urban, the founder of Wait But Why. He talked to my colleague, um, our editor-in-chief, Roland Eisenbrand, and they both spoke at our OMR festival back in March. And now we have everything ready and edited. And it's a conversation about um, producing content for nerds, um, about alien life forms, um, and the importance of quality in original posts on websites. As you probably know, Wait But Why is one of the most successful content projects or websites of the past. Um, they are cooperating with Tesla and Elon Musk and Tim Urban is a publishing star himself. Listen to the conversation and enjoy. Buzz. Okay. All right. Welcome to the Online Marketing Rockstars podcast. Thank you for having me on. We have Tim Urban here. I'm substitute. I'm Roland, by the way. I'm substituting for my boss, Philip, who is usually the host of the podcast. But he's busy uh, roaming around the festival grounds. We're re recording this podcast on the online marketing festival, online marketing rockstars festival, and uh, yeah, we have Tim Urban, founder of Wait But Why, here. Welcome, Tim. Uh, thank you. This is um, I'm, I'm very overwhelmed with the uh, <laughs> the excitement. I just walked through this hall, and there's nine trillion people here. <laughs> there's a lot going on. Yeah, that's the official number. We're communing, to, <laughs> communicating to everybody. Nine trillion people. That's pretty much it. <laughs> It looks great. Okay, so you're you're known from from several things. You have this blog, Wait But Why, and I and I was scanning your biography, and I um, saw a post which went viral. It was about uh, the Generation Y. Yes. And I remember that this post came up in my newsfeed as well. Um, you 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 started as a blogger, and this this blog post has become your breakthrough. Is, is that true? Yeah, it was, um, it was uh, a surprising uh, explosion for a post I just kind of, you know, was just like any other post when I wrote it. It was just I was trying to write two a week at the mm -hmm. time. Um, and uh, Maybe you can summarize the, yeah. the, the content of the post. So, so the, the, the idea is that uh, this was uh, 2014, uh, 2013, sorry, late 2013. So it was, you know, almost five years ago. Um, and it was, um, it was, uh, I, it, I, it was a time I think before it became very obvious to talk about millennials, kind of, and and what their deal is. And now we've kind of I feel like discussed it in and out, and okay. and it's such a thing. We've you know people are, are moving on, um, but at the time I, I don't think people had uh, quite thought about it as much by, back in 2013. So I I I, I wrote a, this article trying to. You know, I, I had the thought myself that uh, that actually people who were in Generation Y, sometimes it's called, sometimes it's called Millennials, basically people who were born um, between uh, the early 80s and maybe the mid-90s. Mm -hmm. um, so people who are today, you know, I don't know, between early, their early 20s and uh, mid-30s uh, um, in age. So th those people were... Um, uh, I think I thought they kind of had a perfect storm of, of circumstances to make them very unhappy. Mm -hmm. um, they well, had these, what, what was the title of the post again? It was called "Why Generation Y Yuppies Are Unhappy," and uh, that was yeah, back yeah, when I, I was remember. trying to do clickbait titles to get the right <laughs> clicks. And I don't try to do that as much anymore. But uh, the time we're you know trying to get noticed, uh, and um, and actually the very first post I did, uh, but, you know I wrote a bunch of posts before starting the site, mm -hmm. and um, then this first post you know we decided to put up first because we thought it had a chance to 
to get some attention. It was about Facebook, making fun of how people, you know, social etiquette on Facebook is like the wild west of social etiquette and we're all children and all of that. And actually that that um got got a decent number of readers. And I think that was really important so that when I wrote this article on millennials mm -hmm. that um that had viral potential that I didn't I guess I didn't quite understand at the time. There were enough people there uh, in the first place that it really gave it a chance to take off. So I think that was helpful. Mm -hmm. But the, the article itself was just about you know the perfect storm of unhappiness, which is that you know they had these crazy expectations mm -hmm. for their career. They you know their parents just wanted to be secure and and successful, but they wanted to be special and they wanted to do something you know incredibly ambitious, but it was meant for them. That was you know, and then they also on top of that had a bad economy. So it was hard to do that, and it's hard anyway, and they had these unreasonable expectations. So they're, of course, they're gonna get in the world and they're gonna be disappointed by how it starts, because yeah. this takes a while, but then meanwhile, they're gonna look on Facebook, and they're gonna see everyone else projecting these better versions of their life. So it looks like everyone else is doing great when they're not either. Mm -hmm. So it's this horrible, perfect story. Yeah, there's this keynote speaker from, uh, from England, I think, Simon, Sinek. Simon Sinek, he was talking, it's his main topic, obviously, he's talking about the miserability of the Generation Y, yeah. but he came after you, obviously. <laughs> well, I think it's, it's, it's a common topic, and yeah. I think um, it's, uh, but that was, you know, there was the, it was the right place, at the right, it was the right yeah. time for that, that topic, I guess. It's, um, uh, a lot of people are thinking about it, or there's a lot of people who said that's, you know, or who, want, who like criticizing that generation, who like the top. Yeah. A lot of people who are defending that generation or, or who are in it, and they hated it. So it was, if you have a, a post that ha a lot of people love and a lot of people hate, that's, that's going to go Everyone viral. has an yeah, opinion that, that, on that's it. Gonna, that's going to do well. Yeah. yeah. So and later on, you became a famous, quotation marks, for many, many things. You, you, you were the guy that Elon Musk uh, phoned directly. You, you're the master procrastinator. But maybe I want to step, uh, take a step back first. Um, before you started your blog, Wait But Why, what did you do before? Um, I, I was, um, well, I was doing... Full-time, um, so I have a business partner, a long-time business partner, Andrew Finn. Um, he and I are old friends, and we started this company together for uh, test prep for, you know, uh, it's a, you know uh, basically education tech and uh, education test prep. So it's, you know, for uh, SAT, ACT, and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So we were doing that, just learning how to run a business, and uh, we were always trying other things. And um, Wait But Why was actually our, you know, a joint kind of... Um, uh, idea that we just said, you know, l l and I was uh, I was blogging on the side a lot, and I was really sad because I wanted to be doing something creative full time, on, okay. you know, music or writing. I was doing these things on the side, and so we we talked about it, and I, I and we said like, why don't why don't we start this kind of content website of some kind, and I'll just well it'll be free because we don't have, to pay, have any employees. I'll just do everything. I'll just start off with me, just me. And, and that started five years ago. Yeah, or? it was yeah, summer of 2013, so four and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, and um, and so yeah, that was a, uh, that, that was uh, I was going a little crazy not doing something full time creative, and we also thought it could be an interesting time to do it. And so but it wasn't meant as a business in the beginning. Was well, more it, like it, a creative outlet well, for no, you. Well, no, it was. The idea was that if we build up a platform, if you build up um, an audience, then like a business can can come from that. You can turn an audience into many different kinds of businesses if you want to. Um, it, it, it actually grew quicker than we thought and bigger than we thought so that we, we decided let's not, we were, we were going to maybe hire a bunch of writers and we kind of said this is working just as it is so let's, I mean, and, I, and I was having a lot of fun so I just wanted to dig into my writing then and, 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 and we've just, um, it's been really, it's been really fun. It's, mm -hmm. been, it's been great to be able to switch topics uh, and so I, I don't, if I get sick of something I get to move on to something else and uh, yeah.
Being an entrepreneur in the tech scene and doing writing are quite different things. Have you have you written before? Did you? Um, I had written another blog on the side as like a side project for six years, and I'd written about 300 blog posts on that. <laughs> it was all a side project. Okay. It was just a hobby, but you know, you you actually learn a lot doing that, and you really, I really got my. Um, um, I found my voice as a writer. Mm. I realized the kind of writing I like to do, and I got more confidence. And I, I realized I like drawing stick figure drawings to go along with my writing. So that was something I discovered on the old blog. So when it was time to start, wait, but why? I did kind of feel like I, I know how to do this. Like I, I, I know how to. I, I, I like it was a comfortable space for me already. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was that was. Um, it, it wasn't such a great leap. It didn't feel like it. I didn't expect at the time that the posts were going to get serious or you know, talk about technology or get really long. I thought they were all going to be kind of funny and short, <laughs> so that evolved, but um, but yeah, it's been fun from the beginning. Okay, and then what happened? We we already talked about this post about Facebook. This was the first yes. post? Yeah, first post. Um, just um, intentionally provocative, but I thought also it was a bunch of points that someone had to say at the time I was annoyed looking at Facebook and how everyone was so unself-aware, these people who are very normal in public, they're either unself-aware or they're mean, they're mean on Facebook and, or they're, um, or they're just um, self-indulgent in a way that they, they wouldn't be in person. So I just wrote about this. A uh, post about the negative sides of Facebook. It, it was called Seven Ways to Be Insufferable on Facebook. <laughs> a very clickbait headline. Again, yeah. we're trying to get attention. So these It early sounds like content that took off two years later and you were the one, one of the first people to write things like this Yeah, again. yeah. Um, it was uh, the, the, the listicle. Um, yeah. You know, uh, but um, it was, uh, you know, it was definitely early on. And, and actually, it was uh, even when the, the first few posts, including um, that the Generation Y, there, I was anonymous for all of those. So it was give us some, um, I, I didn't come out with my name till later, so it was very uh, liberating to kind of just be able to write whatever I wanted. And, um, and I think, uh, you know, right away, that very first post did more traffic in the first, in its first month than my entire other blog did in six years combined. So, do you it, still remember any numbers? Yeah, yeah. the The other blog did about two hundred and fifty thousand visits in six years. Not and bad for German. What'd you for say? Ger it's not bad for for no. a country like Germany. No, no. I mean, I, I I was very proud of that. Yeah. I, I, I um, I, it got you know two thousand a month maybe, and um, it took a while to build up to that. At first, there were five readers, so yeah. I was very proud of that. It never took off to another level, but I didn't expect it to. It was just my blog. Um, and then this blew me away. The Facebook posted 500,000 visitors in one month. Um, so that, that then the next eight, ten posts got a little bit of traffic, but they had but there was some there was there were people here. This wasn't just in, in the wilderness anymore. Because of that Facebook post, there were some people reading every post now. And so ten posts later, um, the Gen Y post happened, and there were enough people there. You need some people there for it to blow up. There were some people there, and it, it exploded. And then when it exploded, all these other people were on the site, millions of people, and so all those 10 first posts all got traffic at the same time. Mm. So one of the other posts that I was I really, was really proud of at the time, but it didn't do very well, suddenly exploded almost to the level that the Gen Y posted. It, it, it you know, had millions of people on it. Okay. So it was a re really exciting week. So yeah. you had the you you uh, your first post got the snowball running and the, yeah. the, the generation Y post was the avalanche. Yes, like and I would say you know it's like it seems like it's this one post, but I think that first post was a, was the reason that the second post could explode. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, this week this this all happened in one week. I put I posted that new post, the generation the, the the Gen Y post, and uh, it got you know 14 million views wow. in, in a week. Um, and 
I'd like to have that too. It, 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 was, it was surreal, but I missed the entire thing because I was in the one place on earth where you can't even check the internet. You can't, you can't, you, nothing you can learn. I was in North Korea. <laughs> Five days I was in North Korea, and day one was the day that that post went up. So I went to North Korea. Um, it started to do well, and I was like, oh, maybe this will... And I missed the entire thing. And I come, I come out, and it's already kind of trailing down now, and I, I have a tr million, billion uh, uh, emails, and um, it was a very crazy. And I was writing about being in North Korea for the next post, which, is, which was the post after this one. Did, so. you, did your server hold up? Did it, did it work? Or? It did because we were on Blogger at the time, which ah. was really important. I, we switched to WordPress since, but Blogger is Google. Yeah. So if you're on Blogger, you can have, <laughs> a, you can have the whole planet on your, your blog, and okay. it's fine. So actually, that was very fortunate. And then switched to WordPress later because Blogger is not very customizable, mm. and uh, I, I like the customizable. But but how exactly did you did did you find your first readers? How did you get your first traffic? Was it like your your network? You uh, from your entrepreneurial career, people reading you and passing it on? Yeah. So. Um, the very first post, especially since I was anonymous, you know, except, no, not, not to the people who knew me because I did post it on Facebook, but basically, I posted it on my personal Facebook and Andrew posted it on his first personal Facebook. That was it because otherwise, and, and then, I, oh, I sent an email to maybe 40 people saying, you know, starting a new thing, check it out. Um, but the thing is, Facebook is a It's a really powerful engine, and it's amazing how, I think, you know, 10 years before this, I don't know if I could have, it, could, it would have worked this way. When I started my first blog, like, it was not, Facebook wasn't a, a thing for, for sharing links yet. So there was not, you just put it up, and mm. someone, people happened to find it through Google searches, SEO, you know, which is really not a great way to have your blog get found, especially early on when you're not going to appear in many Google searches. So I posted on my personal Facebook, but it was a very provocative post. And it started to get passed around. And just on Facebook, that personal post of mine started, and then other people started to share it on Facebook. So I did, I, I, I still don't do much when it comes to kind of traditional online marketing stuff. You know, like that's the, the, but, but the things I make sure I have is, um, and I, I was the programmer of the first site, you know, the, which is, you know, I have no idea how to do this. So I just had to get, I had to get a few things. I had to get it, and if, if someone likes the post, I wanted two things to be possible. I wanted them to have an easy way to share it. So I had to get share buttons, Facebook button, Twitter button, yeah. email button, right? And I didn't know how to do that, so I just had to, I just used a simple like widget at the bottom. Uh, and then if they liked it, I really liked it, I wanted them to be able to follow and kind of, it's like, um, it's like you're bringing in people, it's like flypaper, and you're bringing in all these people and, and the ones who happen to love it, you want them to stick yeah. to the paper so that they stay around. Otherwise they disappear and they liked it, but they forget about you. So uh, that was an email sign-up, an email subscription sign-up, um, and Facebook follow or Twitter follow. Those simple, three simple things, but that was, um, that was enough. Those two things, if you write something really um, viral or good that people like, and you have those two things, people will find it, and then they're going to start sharing it, and then they're going to start following, and then it, it can go from there. Um, so that was it, but it was, that was enough. The okay. tools that were already out there were enough. So, so your traffic was like, Probably 90, 95% Facebook. For a while, uh, Facebook was uh, the, the majority. Yeah, uh, Facebook was, a, and Google was you know, a little bit, but it was mostly, yeah, Facebook, Twitter was a little bit, but yeah, I would say Facebook was like 60%, 70% for um, a while. A lot of them was just people forwarding links over email, so you can't really tell there, but, um, but yeah. Okay. And um, 
Was there a point uh, when you when you thought, okay, this could be more, this could be more than like a creative outlet? Did you uh, change your plans? Did you uh, stop doing the the other stuff, the entrepreneurial, uh, the the educational tech thing, um, or did it take some time, or did you just do everything par parallel all the way? So. I think what happened was it was a slow and gradual process where a bunch of things changed. At the beginning, it was a new post every Monday and Thursday, okay? Short, funny posts every Monday and Thursday. And as I went, I started to, I, I think that first post doing well gave me some confidence. And I said, okay, right, I'm good at this. Okay, because you, know, you, know, you don't know. So I, I, I can do posts that people, some people want to read. You know, the cool thing about the internet is, you know, before the internet, you needed to be mainstream, to be successful in this kind of thing because you needed a mainstream publication to, to, to accept you and bring you in. Mm. Um, but the internet allows you to kind of do your own weird thing that no publication would want. No, no, I, you know, if I applied to uh, write in a magazine with 15,000 word you know, posts with cursing and stick figures on deep topics, that's not a job opening anywhere. But the internet allows you to kind of find your, your, your exact crowd, wherever they are. They, yeah. they can find you. So it, 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 I didn't have to say, oh, I'm good, I'm, I'm amazing at this in general. I just say, the thing I do here is liked by a certain crowd a lot. I don't know how big that crowd is, but, but it gave me confidence to say, I'm just going to dig into that crowd. And I started to understand who they were. They, 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 were, they were deep thinkers. They, they, the thing about my Facebook post versus uh, my, my post about Facebook versus all the other posts about Facebook at the time is that mine was 3,000 words, you know, not... 600 words. Mm. Mine was in psychological depth. I really got into it. So it brings in kind of a nerdy crowd that likes to think a lot, likes to get into, likes to, you know, you know it's the same kind of crowd that's going to be really digging into Reddit threads maybe, or just people who like to think and argue. Um, and, and they also had my sense of humor. Mm. Yeah. You said that you started with shorter posts in the beginning. Um, so did you gradually uh, increase the length of the post? Or? Yeah, so as my confidence started to go up here, and I said, okay, you know what, these people like when I do these things. So I, I was able to get a little longer with the post, and I tried that. You know, I did my first, I remember I did a, my first time, it was a three, my first post was over three, that was over 3,000 was, you know, I don't know, 15 posts in. And I was kind of saying like, ah, the, no one reads this post as long, but it was really popular. And then I did a post on the Fermi Paradox, which was like 4,500 words. And I remember saying to Andrew, like, look, this is A, on a very unusual topic for me. It's on a very, like, nerdy topic, astronomy and, and aliens. And yeah, can you summarize what the Fermi, the Fermi Paradox, Paradox is? The Fermi Paradox is the question, why, uh, why um, we haven't seen any other signs of life? Oh, is it okay. that there's none out there, or is it that they're, they're out there and we haven't seen them for some other reason? Mm -hmm. But we're looking, and we haven't gotten any evidence that there's anything else out there. It's quite weird. So I was thinking, this is a this is going to be not a mainstream. This is a nerdy topic, yeah. and the people who like it will love it, but there won't be many of them. And it's also 4,500 words, so it's very specific. And it actually, that that was one of the most beloved posts that is still to the, to this day on the site. So that was this big wake up call. Okay, wait a second. There's a lot of nerds out there. Like there's a lot of um, there's a lot of people who. Uh, really are interested in the same exact things I'm interested in. Again, it's the internet. If one in a thousand people is interested in what you happen to really like, that's seven million person audience. So uh, it was um, it was exciting. So that, that then I started getting even longer and in more in depth, and I took on artificial intelligence as a topic, which I would never have had the confidence to do at the beginning. But then I started to realize like I can write about this stuff, and there's mm. people who want to read it, and I can write long posts, and people want to read it. How important was the was the um, frequency that you said you were gonna publish on Monday and Thursday? So yeah, Monday and Thursday changed because 
um, I had written one other post in the first 10 that I, that I needed extra time for, so I took a whole week, and I just didn't do one of the <laughs> dates. And then I did the Generation Y post, and I took a full week for that one, too. Yeah. So you and changed your tagline back well, then already? Well, or? So, so the Gen Y post blew up, and the other post I said that blew up that hadn't been popular, but it exploded, that was the other one I took a week on. And the Facebook post, that first post, I spent over a week on. So it hit me that the three most popular posts are the ones that I spent a full week on, not two days mm -hmm. or three days. Um, and so I said, okay, I'm going to spend a week on every post, one post a week. Uh, at the beginning, I would have thought, you can't, you're not going to get an audience that way. But then I started to realize, they're already here now, so let me just do a really, the best thing I can do once a week. So it was new post every Tuesday. That was the new tagline. Then the post started getting longer and longer and longer, and I started spending sometimes a couple of weeks. And then on AI, I did a long AI post. I spent five weeks, and the AI post was more popular than the other, like, ten before it. I started to say, wait a second, even the longer posts than this, the ones that take even longer than a week are even more popular. So I, started, I changed the tagline to new post every sometimes. <laughs> and I started writing, and then I got out of control. Then I had no <laughs> limits. And then I think I went, I just went nuts and I started writing basically books every time and I, I have to rein that in <laughs> because that's not, that's not the goal of this yeah. is to write. Uh, it's really funny because you're, you're really going against the trend because the whole publishing industry and the, or the digital publishing industry was going on about like snackable content and like listicles which were really short and easy to consume and you went the whole different way. Well look, if I were trying to have, be BuzzFeed, if I were trying to hire you know, on our 10,000 people, however, however many people they have. Um, and I want to, and, and to do that, to have a kind of, and I want to be a billion dollar site brand, you know, to, and to do that, you need to be mainstream. You need, you need you know, millions and, you know, tens of millions of people on your site every day. Then yeah, then bite size is the way to do that. But that wasn't my goal. I wasn't going to out BuzzFeed, BuzzFeed. That was never my goal. That's not what I wanted to do. And I didn't have the means to do it. I didn't know how to do that. Mm. But what I could do is I could find Uh, an audience that's maybe 50, 150th of the size, but they like Wait But Why more than anyone likes BuzzFeed mm. because they're, 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 it's like their favorite thing. And I wanted to say, you know, I need to find, um, I, want, I want to make something where I don't know how many people it will be, but it, whoever is into it, it's, their, it's like their favorite thing or one of their favorite things. And so for that, you have a lot more flexibility. You can do a lot more things. Um, it's going to cap you. You're not going to have 10,000 employees, and, but, you know. How did you manage to... to I know that you said that you didn't post that often anymore, but how do you manage to write posts with tens of thousands of words and still do other stuff, stuff like your um, educational tech company? Well, I'm very much full-time writer now. I am, uh, the educational tech company is being run and grown by Andrew. And okay. by, we have this amazing team. We have an, we have an awesome team there. So. Um, uh, What's the name of the company? It's called Arbor Bridge. Arbor Bridge. Uh, yeah, yeah, Arbor Bridge. Um, And, uh, and uh, we've had a lot of people that have been there for five or six years and it's being run by the CEO is now a woman named Kate who's unbelievable. So it's, um, I, I am full, full focus on whatever I'm writing at the time. That's, that's all I'm doing. Um, although I am starting a podcast also as uh, <laughs> a way to kind of get more frequent content out there while I'm also working on these long ass. That's a good posts. idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so... When did you, uh, did you ever um, felt like there was a point at which you said, okay, now this thing needs to make money? Or is like Arbor Bridge earning money and you, you were in the luxurious situation that Wait But Wait didn't need to make money that, uh, that quick? Right, so it's some combo of those things. It was very luxurious in that 
the first, we, I could start this site without any worry about money. And I could say, and I have a bunch of months to work on it without worrying. So that's really, really lucky. And I think that gave me the ability to kind of write what I wanted and only do two or one post a week. I think if you need to make money, you need hits. You know, you're, not, you're gonna you probably try to write more stuff and you're gonna worry about SEO more. And I didn't have to worry about that. So it allowed the site to have some kind of integrity, a certain kind of integrity, I think, that uh, that's hard too if you really needed to make money right away. Uh, but Arbor Bridge is not this company and it's not fair to that company to mm -hmm. be taking money out of it for very long. Um, in fact, we wanted to pay back whatever we took out. So um, the, the, we, we said, you know, to have a really long runway here, we need to make money at some point. But um, it's, it, soon as we, by the time we needed to make that decision, there were you know, many, many readers, like over a million a month. And so at that point, um, we, we kind of thought about it and said, I don't think we need to have you know, banner ads, making this a worse experience for everybody. Um, we had them at the time, at the, very, the beginning, and it actually was pulling in a decent amount of money. But I think, I said, look, for the long run, let's try to, um, let's try to kind of create a, uh, a, 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 a way to support this. We don't, we're not going to try right now to be crazy profitable. We just want to basically support me and our hosting and our web, you know, we had always had some glitch that we needed to, some kind of, we needed some tech help. And, um, and uh, so we Facebook advertising, because Facebook doesn't let you, sh doesn't let you, sh your, the people who follow you see your posts unless you pay, basically. Yeah. Um, so the, we, we had, uh, you know, three or four things we needed a budget for, and um, so we started a store, and started selling t-shirts and posters with stuff from the site on it, and then started using Patreon, um, which was a, a, actually a German YouTube channel, uh, Kurtz Gassat. Oh, funny, We're, we had the founder on another Philip. event of us. Okay, yeah, so Philip's Philip a good friend. I love Philip. Oh, he reached funny. out a long time ago. That, that's this post I keep talking about that blew up when the Gen Y post blew up. He and I first met because he liked it and said, I want to make a video about it. You know, do, do I have your permission? I said, sure. And he gave Waypoint a lot of credit in the video and we started working and talking together after that. Um, so, I, uh, so he and I have given each other a lot of feedback and, and advice as we go because we both started this around the same time and in both cases it kind of took off in a way that I think surprised both of us and we have a lot of the same audience mm -hmm. people who like one thing yeah. usually like the other thing so um, he's the one who said look you got to do Patreon and I was I felt uncomfortable about it. he said y you'll be happy you did uh, and so I thought it was gonna feel like kind of you know obnoxious or begging for money and it didn't because I just made a video and I explained look we want this to go on for a long time and for long, uh, how, for, uh, when, did, when did you go on Patreon? I think it was about a year and a half in. Okay. Um, I said, you know, we want this to go on for a long time, and um, and so we needed to have a sustainable, like a, we needed it to be sustainable, self-sustaining. It can't, it can't be taking money from elsewhere. It doesn't need to make a tremendous amount of money, but there's enough readers. We thought, you know, one percent, you know, can give three or five bucks a month or something, that should do it, and that, and and it and it has done it. So self-sustaining was uh, self-sustaining in the sense of that you can live off that money and feed your probably family you have. Or well, I just also wanted one employee. Okay. Because it was, I, there was a lot of other things that were coming up, and and uh, it was taking a lot of my time. So I it needed to support myself, an employee, and then it, our our hosting costs had gone up. Um, you know, Facebook costs had gone up. Uh, tech support costs. You know, just everything goes up when the site gets bigger. So um, there was. Um, you know, a need for, uh, I don't know, n not a crazy revenue, but we yeah. needed something um, that was not going to be fully covered by the store. 
Um, and one, the, the backup plan was banner ads, big hideous, or, or marketing stuff to the email list. The email list got over you know, 100,000, now it's at 600,000 people. So that, that, is, um, that, that is enough that you can market stuff to them. Yeah. But that is so annoying, and I really, <laughs> I really take pride in the email list not being annoying, to be honest. I don't ever want it to be annoying. You only send out emails when only you've put a, with put a, new, a post. new post. That's okay. it, just new content, that's the only thing they hear. Um, and, um, and so, I'm even, even if I just do like a little content, I don't want to, it's not worth an email. You know, an email has to be, this is, this is a big piece of content I've done that's worth an email to me. So I didn't want to do that. And so Patreon's been amazing. And the truth is the patrons are saints because, patron saints, that's kind of weird, but they, um, <laughs> because they, uh, they, most patrons, they want to see new stuff. What am I paying for? And the way I write right now, it takes months and months, sometimes a year to come out with something new. Like it's like a book. And these people are paying every month with the faith that at some point that I'm working out, that I'm out there somewhere working yeah. on something and I'm not just taking their money. So they have a lot of trust and, I, and I'm incredibly grateful for that because otherwise I could never do this. I could never write a, a book length thing and give it away for free. You can't do that. This yeah. is, people are writing book length things all over the place, authors, but they have a book deal. Yeah. And my post can reach so many but, more people because it's were, free for everybody. Haven't you been approached with a book deal as well? I have a book deal okay. for something after this, which is not, that, I, I, mean, I haven't started that yet. Once that starts, I'm going to, you know, write a letter to patrons and explain that this is now, the writing is going to be done um, in a way that's supported by something else for okay. a while. Uh, there's still a podcast that needs supporting, but I'm going to tell them that, you know, this is a time to, to stop if, you, if, you, if, it's, if it's been hard because... You've done your job, you know, mm -hmm. and they really have. Like the, the, the time when we needed them most, uh, the, patro the patrons, the patrons made this whole thing like really possible for the last three years. So, can you give us uh, like a rough overview of your uh, sources of revenue? Is like the the the, the merchandise is like 20% and 80% uh, Patreon? I'd say Patreon is um, about um, 60%. Uh, maybe 50% now, and the store is maybe 20, 25%, and then I do speaking now. So speaking, yeah. once you once you have enough of a, an audience, um, you know, then, then you start getting asked to speak about your posts. And so speaking is an additional revenue source now. Um, and combined, it's like a little, we, it's, we also have like an Amazon affiliate, so if I link to a book, I'll do it through our Amazon affiliates account. So when someone buys the book, Amazon pays yeah. our account a yeah. little bit. So it's like we just cobble together a bunch of things like that, and together they add up to a, a rev revenue that can support me and an employee, and even probably another employee that we might hire. And also the podcast, you know, we're self-producing the podcast, so we don't have to have ads okay. on the podcast because of these sources of revenue. So this is allowing us to be very... Um, But ads on the podcast are great. Of course. <laughs> well, actually, the truth is I'm going to make the point that I'm not against it. I just want to wait till there's an ad that I, I really believe it. Yeah. You know, and it allows us to have this, this like obnoxious amount of integrity where I'm like, I don't need to have ads until I'm ready. Like, no one has that luxury, but we're really lucky. So we get to kind of do everything the exact way we want on the timeline we want, which is very liberating. Um, and, uh, and I think you, know, you can't, you're not going to have speaking and you're not going to have Patreon and you're not going to have a store if your audience isn't a certain size. So mm -hmm. again, I'm not, I appreciate that this is, My old blog, if that, I could never have done that full-time uh, without some other source. This one is, you know, it, 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 it has enough readers that I can do this. It's very fortunate. I think most people out there who are doing this, they haven't gotten to that level of readers yet, so there, there are other ways that they need to think about this. Yeah, and you don't even have many readers. You also have famous readers. 
Some of them. Yeah. <laughs> Can you, uh, maybe some people know you because you were the guy that Elon Musk called out of the blue. Can you tell us uh, this story? Yeah, that was weird. That was, a, that was an exciting day. Um, so first, first Elon tweeted, you know, I was a big fan of his before. I follow him on Twitter and everything. And I, on my Twitter feed, I see that he tweeted uh, the, my AI post. So that was just jaw-dropping moment. And, um, and I remember my business partner says, this guy took 15 minutes of his time, the most valuable time on earth, to read <laughs> your stupid post. I was yeah, like, I can't true. believe it. And we just couldn't believe it. Um, and then I came out with a part two to that post a few weeks later, and I was kind of thinking the whole time I'm writing it, like, there's a chance that Elon Musk reads this. And he did, and he tweeted it again. So this was all very shocking, very exciting. Um, and then one day uh, I get an email from um, his, well, his assistant, one of his assistants, and she says, um, can you get on the phone one day? This is, you know, uh, you know uh, the, the, we want to talk about some stuff involving, you know, maybe Elon Musk. Well, of course I get on the phone with her. And we talked about, uh, she said that, There was not really a plan. She just kind of said that he um, likes the way you kind of pre present material and, and, and explain stuff. And, um, and um, he was, you know, he's wondering if you ever want to write about the things he's involved in, you know, electric vehicles or sustainable energy or multi-planetary colonization or any of this stuff. Um, Very easy, light yeah, topics. Yeah, <laughs> no problem, right? He said, uh, she said, uh, if you ever want to write about that stuff, you know, he, he, he would love to, like, work with you on it. So... Obviously, everything dropped, and I said, "Guess what? I guess what? I just decided I want to write about." Um, and the thing is, if this had been before the AI post, I might have said, "I don't know how to do that. I'm not an expert on this stuff." But I've learned from writing Wait But Why for about a year at that point, a year and a half, that you don't need to be an expert to write a good thing. And that is this thing I learned where I, I wanted to go from level three, if it's a one through ten scale, and a ten is the perfect expert, um, and I start at level two or three, like a layman. Mm -hmm. Go, if I can get myself to a level six through research and interviews, and then I can take readers from a three to a six, that's a service that's needed. Uh, you know, a lot of readers don't want to get to a full expertise. Mm -hmm. They want to be a six, not a three. So do I. That's actually what's interesting for me. So the AI post taught me that, that like actually there's a lot of people who would rather read my AI post than something by a real expert because they don't need the, more information than I can, I can do. So that's why I said I can do these Elon posts too. For the same reason, I can learn enough about this stuff where I always think of it as I'm going out to dinner with my smart friends, right? And if I spend three weeks learning about something, I know way more than they do about it. And I can sit down at dinner with them and be like, let me explain this. this, is, this is, I'm going to tell you all these things I learned. Um, and I can teach them a lot. And so that, that was enough. I, I'm not going to go do a PhD presentation, you know, yeah. and I'm not going to write the book on this subject. Um, but that's not, that's not the game here. So, and, I, and I realized when he, I was talking to him that he understood that. And that's what he didn't want an expert. He wanted someone to, to, to excite smart people about yeah. this who are interested, but they don't know that much. And, and that was the perfect match in that regard. So, yeah. so, you, so you wrote these posts and what, what, happened, uh, what happened next? So, I, yeah, I spent about six, eight months working on these posts. I went out to California. I met with Elon. I actually talked to him on the phone a bunch of times. He was very available for this project because I think he thinks that messaging is very important. Getting the, getting the, the points across here is important. And I don't think that, that, you know, that's not something they have the time to do. That's not something they're going to spend time doing. So he gave me a lot of time, and it was great to be able to just really ask all the questions I had, the big, to really zoom out and say, why is this matter? And, And, and then also to zoom in and ask some you know, specific questions. Well, how does this, you know, it, it, um, why is a battery so hard? You know, and he would, he would just talk about all this stuff. Um, and it was fun. It was really like, 
it was just exhilarating project. And then I met with a bunch of his engineers too. So I got to really ask technical questions mm -hmm. to people at Tesla and SpaceX. And I wrote four blog posts that ended up being 95,000 words total, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and the very last one wasn't about his companies, it was about him. It was about why is he able to do all this stuff? Because I thought that was really interesting too. Like how is this guy so much more uh, successful or just, you know, he has so much more ability to do amazing things than anyone else, even other people who are just as smart and as driven. And so I wrote about that too, which I think is about, you know, his, his reasoning, reasoning from first principles, mm -hmm. you know, original thinking versus kind of uh, assuming that conventional wisdom is correct. I think he's very good at that. And so did he pay you for these posts or have they been published by, by Tesla as well? No. Um, or did he just say, I want to read this stuff about these topics written by you and I free my time so you can do research That's right, with yeah. me? It, I, I actually, I think I could have asked for money and, I, and he probably would have paid something, but that wasn't, um, I, I decided not to because I, I thought about this and said that then I'm working for him um, and he's paying me for a project and then I can't, I like to be able to say in the post, I'm not getting paid. Because yeah. it gives a lot of credibility. If I'm getting paid, then of course, you know, then if I'm saying good things about the companies, it just seems like an ad. So for a few reasons I didn't. On the other hand, I, I said as a blogger, this is a dream project. I don't need to be paid. Yeah. I get to work with this amazing person and these amazing companies. Um, and then I get to like, I get to present this stuff that is You know, I got to, you know, then more recently I did another post on his new company, Neuralink, and um, I got to learn about it ahead of time and, you know, write about it to kind of in conjunction with their launch. Like, that's just the, so much, that's so um, exciting for me. And, um, and so, it, 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 and the other thing is, if it, were, if it were paid, he might have wanted it to be on the Tesla website, the, the posts, and write for his websites. And um, I didn't want it, I wanted to do it my way, and I wanted to have the freedom to say something bad about the mm -hmm. companies if I didn't think they were doing something good. Um, and if I'm being paid, I can't do that. So for all those reasons, I, I wanted to keep that freedom. And I think he understood that. And he, he said that he, that I think that made sense to him too. Yeah. But you probably uh, increased your audience because he tweeted the, the articles and oh, whatever. Oh, definitely. Just a lot of people are fascinated by Elon yeah. out there. So uh, it, it, it did plenty for Wait But Why. So how is he in private? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's, it's, he's more than, than almost anyone. If you watch his interviews, especially when he's in like a good mood and he's kind of making jokes, and he's, or he, he, his talks he does on stage when he's kind of being silly, um, or him on Instagram, he's silly on Instagram and Twitter. That's just how he is. He's just um, like a very, ch he's kind of an ch inner child, a big child, and he's, um, he's geeky. He loves talking about like South Park and Hitchhiker's Guide and you know his science fiction books and, um, and The Onion and all this other stuff. Um, Do you know about the uh, about the rumors that he wants to? Uh, I've heard a little buy bit. The I, um, onion or build a new stuff. There, there, there's, there's always a lot of news. It's hard to keep up. Yeah. But, um, um, but uh, I've been hearing about the tunnel project, and um, you know, I, I, I need to finish. I'm, I'm behind on a bunch of other projects, but I'd like to write about the tunnel project at yeah. some point. It's really cool too. There's just, it's like he's obnoxious because he keeps starting these world-changing companies when I'm trying to do other stuff, and then I have to stop what I'm doing because he started another you know, <laughs> uh, humanity-altering yeah. thing. Like, it, was like, it was very inconvenient, the, neur the, time for, the timing for his Neuralink company, but what can you do? And so you already mentioned that you became a speaker. Did that become before or after the, the, the Elon Musk thing? Um, you know, I just, I think it started, people started reaching out um, 
Around the same time, maybe. Um, you know, I think that, that AI post um, um, kind of got some people's attention and, and people, for speaking, it's a lot the same. A lot of, what people want with a speaker, they rarely really need someone who's an expert, a nine level expert or 10. Because uh, you're not going to, first of all, the stuff that is at the nine level is not that interesting actually. It's very um, technical. Yeah. And um, what most people want is they just want to understand what's going on. They want to be able to talk about it. They want to, when they see a headline, they want to know what it means. They want to be able to like, you know, have an intelligent conversation and not seem stupid. And also this stuff is so exciting that's going on in the world right now and the future. Um, technologies that are being built, people just are excited about it. They want someone to explain it to them. So um, I think that that my like level of blog posting, which is kind of that taking people from a three to a six, is also a good match for in certain situations, speaking where I can basically just live explain, try to try to explain something to to a reader or talk about some of the psychology I write about, like procrastination yeah. and. And you know the, the more personal stuff. Has, has the the TED talk been your your breakthrough moment as a keynote speaker? The talk about procrastination. It definitely was. Yeah, definitely increased yeah. the um, the people just because it's credibility. You know, no one wants a keynote speaker uh, who they don't know of what they're going to be like. But the TED, they can watch and see my style. And I'm sure a lot of people watch it and say, "We don't want that guy. That's not at all what we're looking for." But there's enough conferences out there that some people are gonna. That's going to be the right match. Yeah. And um, how many speaking gigs do you have? Well, I try moment? not to do that many actually, because I, I don't, I don't want it to take too much time. So I, I would say I, I do about maybe one a month, one or two a month, something like that. So yeah, yeah. Um, okay, um, maybe a few more last questions about your whole publishing business, because we are always try to understand how things work um, from like an online marketing or online publishing way. Um, Is, is Facebook still your main source of, of uh, traffic at the moment? Um, it's, it's a big one, but it's, it's, it's becoming less and less. As um, the, Right now, when, um, when I publish a new post, um, uh, and I put it out to the email list, the email list is now bigger than the entire Facebook audience, and unlike Facebook, it goes to everyone. It doesn't, um, you know, Facebook's going to make us pay to go to everyone. So the email list is probably an even bigger engine. Um, And then there's also just, um, I think now there's a community that is into it. So if I post something, it's going to end up probably on like a Reddit thread and some people will find it there. Other people will post it to their Facebook. So um, And you, you have a lot of direct traffic probably right now because you're, yeah, you're a lot of brand. Exactly. There's a lot of direct traffic. And um, so I, I, when, we, when the new post comes out, right away, put it on Facebook. I don't, we don't pay anymore on Facebook because we just, it's just going to go to a decent number of people there and that's fine. Twitter. Um, maybe I'll do a little Instagram post, uh, just a little, and then um, send, that, send out the email. Uh, and um, and then I think a lot of people set up like a, they have the RSS feed or something, so they get an alert when there's something new on the site anyway. And between those things, then a bunch of things happen and, and, and the traffic will come. And um, it, it'll either be the, the kind of the standard amount of traffic um, for a normal post, or it'll have some kind of extra legs. And we don't know when that's going to happen, but it'll end up kind of reaching a broader audience, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the traffic will really spike for a few days, and um, it's unpredictable to us. About that. Do you think if you would start today, you could still do it the way you did it, or wouldn't it be possible because of the changes uh, Facebook? I think you can still do it, because um, I, think the, I, I think when I started, there were a lot of people trying to kind of build their entire game around Facebook, like Upworthy and, um, Viral Nova and BuzzFeed and Huffington Post at the time were all kind of like um, 
really benefiting from this amazing engine that Facebook was kind of showing everyone how powerful they were. Yeah. And I benefited from that hugely too. It was the right place to be doing it at the right time. And I think if your entire thing is to like get a ridiculous amount of traffic using Facebook, I don't know if that's possible anymore. I just, I really just genuinely don't know. Yeah. I haven't been in, informed on that. But what I do know is someone like me, who's, I'm not trying to build a 100 million person audience. I'm trying to find the one in a thousand people out there who really, really likes what I do. And I think that uh, the internet today, if you just have an, you know, a, a way to share your stuff on social media and you just post it out there, if it is truly something that one in a thousand people or one in a hundred people are gonna really love, not just like, but love, and it's gonna be their favorite thing, like they're gonna find you and yeah. they're gonna send it to their friends who are also gonna, you know, you know, the, the, pe the people who love your stuff, they, they're, in, they're in clumps together. They're not, they're not spread out. So one of them finds it and they spread it around that community. So I think um, my, my advice would always just be like, do really like your, your, try to like do something that you, if you were the audience member, would love. Yeah. Try to do something that you would be so excited about if someone sent it to you that you would have to share it. If you could just do that and put it out there, like it, it's gonna, things are gonna happen. There's not that much great content out there in the end. There's just not. So it, it, even though it seems like there's so much, when you do something really good, it's gonna stand out uh, to at least the people who love it. You must have hundreds, hundreds of people reaching out to you per week who like publishing houses who want to consult you or like uh, agencies who want you to do content marketing, storytelling for them. Sometimes, yeah. I, the problem is, my, my advice is very simple. You know, I think what, they, what they're hoping for sometimes is, um, is a trick. You know, I'm gonna say, you know, here's the, the secret. When all I'm gonna really say to them is, what you just saw. Well, and it's also, it's not everyone's model. A lot of people, like BuzzFeed doesn't want to do what I'm doing. It's not a good business model <laughs> for them. It's not scalable. So it, it, it's, it's, I have a very specific kind of um, strategy for a very specific thing. And if someone, the, the people I can actually help are the people who are really passionate kind of single creators or a little team of creators, then I can say, okay, so here's what I think you, here's, what, yeah. here's the key. And it's mostly just reminding them to stop worrying about all the tricks and tips and, you know, Right, just do something really good. Do something that like your friends are like, that's so great, thank you. You know, and like then other people are gonna feel the same way. Yeah. Okay folks, you can hear the OMR party heating up in the background. Um, it was a pleasure to have you, Tim. Yeah. Thank you very much. Very, very fascinating story. Good to have you. Thank Thanks you very for much. Having me on. This is great. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Buzz.